Good evening and welcome to WDIY and the program on every Main Street. This program takes a deeper look into the greater Lehigh Valley Chamber of Commerce and all of its affiliates. I'm your host, Greg Caponia. Our show tonight will focus on one of the most well-known and respected businesses in the Lehigh Valley, the C.F. Martin Guitar Company, the maker of the Martin Guitar. The Martin name is synonymous with great guitars, and the WDIY audience knows this fact. Joining me tonight is Frank Untermeyer, the Director of Supply Chain Management at the Martin Guitar Company. Well, welcome, Frank. Thanks a lot. Recently, I met Frank at the uh, Martin Guitar Company. They cut the ribbon on a new warehouse in the Lehigh Valley, and it was at this event where we met, and I received a tour from Frank. And when I use the term warehouse, I do this loosely. While it's a warehouse, this facility is a lot more than just a warehouse. After you tour it, you walk away with a feeling this is more like a monument to ongoing environmental sustainability, which it really is. It's, it's really cool. Frank, after the tour, you said, are there any questions? And, you know, folks looked at you and, eh, I got a few of the minor questions. I came out of there and went, yeah, I got a lot of questions. This is really interesting. And that's why you're here. Great. <laughs> it was really a heck of a tour. After the tour, I went to take some notes. I grabbed my pencil, and it's half whittled down here, and I thought to myself, after being on your tour, wow, I take this pencil for granted. And it's got wood, it's got lead, it's got paint, it's got some little bit of metal and probably some rubber on this. And I thought to myself, what's it take to make a guitar? So, with that in mind, let's take a look at guitars and how you, and all the instruments that you make. First of all, Frank, you, you, you went to school to be an accountant, you're an attorney, and you're also a person who's been in the guitar business for a while, right? Yeah. The guitar business came first, quite honestly, back in 78. I owned my own company at that stage of the game, small uh, boutique electric guitar company. And I figured out pretty soon, pretty quickly, that uh, I had to know how to do the books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so went to Northwestern, got a degree, and then subsequent to that, I went uh, to Loyola School, law school in Chicago, and uh, studied law as well. But throughout, I've been doing guitars, in fact, for the greater part of my career on the manufacturing side, uh -huh. and then after that at Martin on the supply chain side. So how did you end up in the Lehigh Valley? <laughs> okay, so I was running another guitar company in Connecticut, and Chris Martin and his executive leadership team came up there because our company, in addition to manufacturing guitars, also distributed musical instruments, including musical instrument strings, namely Martin guitar strings. Mm -hmm. So they came on a tour of the factory. I gave them a tour of the factory. And uh, very shortly thereafter, I spoke with Chris Martin, and I got a position. And I moved myself and my family from Connecticut to Upper Bucks County. A lot of people are know Chris, but once again, he's what generation is he in the? He's the sixth generation. He's the sixth whole, generation. Family-owned company in a major way. It brings a I don't know. It's almost a warmth to working at the at this company. It's great. He's recently uh, retired as CEO, but he's still executive chairman of the company, and he's still very much involved with all this going on. In touring the warehouse, it appears to be a reverse-engineered building 
and at the foundation of it, I've got the feeling that there's a lot of international rules and regulations and compliance that you had to think about before you actually built this thing. Not so much rules and regulations as we had to build a facility that would house both our wood, our raw materials, the wood is kind of the lifeblood of the guitar, as well as finished goods. And this is the first time we've done that, um, put them both together in one facility. And wood moves. It's almost like it's a living material, even after the tree has been felled. Really? Yeah. And so we try and stabilize the environment as much as possible for humidity, for the temperature as well. And so we have to, during moist months, we have to bring the humidity levels down. And during dry months, we have to add humidity, and obviously we have to heat and cool the facility as well. And so that was a big part of building of this project. And, you know, there were many, many structural things that we had to, that came into play, the walls themselves, the movement of the air, the cooling process, the different zones that we have. It's complicated stuff. Yeah, you know, I went through the warehouse part of it where you see all these guitars and uh, musical instruments, I should say. And there's three levels, and it looks kind of warehousey. And then you took us into another room, and I thought, I'm in a humidor. Right. It was incredible. Yeah, it blows your mind. Um, I, I wish people could see it. And we'll show, I've got some pictures. We'll show some pictures on our website. But it's incredible. So you said that wood moves. Right. Are you talking about expanding, contracting? Yeah, uh, I am. And when it's in a finished guitar, you know, it can the top can bulge up or it can drop down. So our goal is to keep it as stable as possible, you know, around 70 degrees Fahrenheit, around 40% relative humidity. And in fact, most guitar stores now, quality guitar stores will have acoustic rooms for their acoustic guitars because if, you know, if a guitar dries out a lot, uh, if it's in the desert or Arizona, it can crack. You know, you have to take care of it. And that's what we did with the entire facility. We turned it into one big humidor, as you said. Yeah. Well, I guess when you think about it, when you play guitar, if you change temperatures, well, then you have to retune. Right. So the the neck itself can bow either backwards or forwards. And if it bows backwards, you're going to get buzzing when you're playing the guitar on the frets higher up on the fingerboard. And if it has a forward bow, you're going to have high action and make it difficult to play the instrument. So how many types of wood might be in, in a guitar? It, it depends on, on the guitar, quite honestly. But we refer to the woods that we use as tone woods. So it's really the cream of the cream of the materials. So uh, the primary woods that we use would be rosewood. And there's different species within mm-hmm. the rosewood uh, genus and mahogany. So rosewood for backs and sides, mahogany for the neck, but we also make many guitars with mahogany backs and sides, and Sitka spruce or Adirondack spruce, but spruce for the top of the guitar. Then we use ebony for fingerboards and bridges and head plates. There's also a lot of similar species that we use as well. And we also use wood substitutes as well. We have a facility in Navajo in uh, Sonora, Mexico, and we use products that like laminated birch plywood uh, for necks, and we use something called Rich Light, which is manufactured out of recycled cardboard and paper, and it's built at a 
carbon neutral facility as well. And so that's a real good substitute for ebony. So we're not cutting down ebony trees mm -hmm. to build those guitars. We're not cutting down mahogany trees when we have the birch laminate necks. So Frank, you, you mentioned all these different types of wood. How do you find it? With a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually, you know, we have boots on the ground, so to speak. We've got a couple of uh, wood buyers, sourcing specialists. They go on site. So we're traveling to Republic of Congo for ebony. We're traveling to Guatemala for mahogany. We're traveling to India for rosewood. Uh, we go up to the Pacific Northwest for spruce. So we actually go to the spots. And one of the things that we do is we have a third party independently checks for legality of wood. That's an issue. And you know, Martin's a pretty straight company when it comes to trying to uphold environmental standards and and all standards, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. And so we know where the wood comes from. We harvest it in a very responsible manner. We've been FSC, that's Forest Stewardship Council, certified for, I think, something like 20 years now. So we know our chain of custody. You know, like I said, we actually physically visit where it comes from. And, you know, part of it is giving back to the community. So we give back, I feel, more than most companies do within the Lehigh Valley, but it doesn't stop there. Uh, it, it extends to Republic of Congo, for instance, where annually we make contributions towards a hospital for the indigenous people there where the ebony is actually harvested. So we're not just extracting materials. We're trying to give back as well. We, we did the same thing with uh, building kilns and buying parts instead of just lumber in Guatemala. So we try and interface with the people and support the people. So the indigenous peoples probably look at you as a pretty positive element to their society. Oh, absolutely. So talk about the Congo, for example. Mm -hmm. Just pulling out of the air here. You go and you take some of their wood. Mm -hmm. What specifically can you tell people that you do for the people there besides giving them income? Well, I mentioned the hospital we're supporting, mm -hmm. but also the way that we're purchasing the wood and the way that it's harvested is not only in Congo, but also, like I mentioned, uh, Guatemala. So there's something called concessions. And what that means is that a group of people, a community, if you will, kind of like a tribe, sort mm -hmm. of, I guess, will be granted by the government the right to cut trees within a given area. And it's, it'll be prescribed what size of trees you can cut as well. And it can be GPS. We can go right to the stump to see exactly what tree we're selectively harvesting. This is not clear cutting at all. It's nothing like that. So you that. mean you, you, you look at specific trees yes, to yes. analyze whether or not they'll make a good guitar? Yep. And not all the time, but we do go wow. down there and we do it. You know, there, there was a, an example of an ebony tree that we harvested from Republic of Congo. And, you know, we were right there on the ground selecting. In fact, the people brought us to show us this one tree. Again, we're not the biggest consumer of wood. You know, that's construction, that's paper, you know, large right. industries, furniture industry, but we're very selective in what we cut. And, and we also are careful not to harvest trees that are either too small or too large because we, we want the forest to continue to propagate naturally. 
So in the United States, we are familiar with replacing our carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. What would be the wood harvesting equivalent to replacing that footprint? Not to over uh, forest. So that's a big deal right now. I mean, it's kind of timely with the climate summit that just went down and the commitment to reforestation. When you get a concession, you'll cut and then you'll go to another area and you'll cut. And again, leaving trees to grow so that they'll be replenished. So you're not going to clear cut an area ever. By the time you get back to the first concession that, or area that you were cutting, it's a, about 50 years. So trees are growing in the interim period. So it's kind of just letting nature take its course. Now, six generations ago, where was the wood coming from? Same places. Same places. Although with some, not totally. There has been too much harvesting of wood, and so there are areas like Madagascar. It's, it's a good example. It, the country's been decimated. It's just terrible. You know, the most biologically diverse country on earth. And now there's many restrictions for cutting wood, and there's unfortunately a lot of illegal trade coming out of there too. And how do you separate yourself from the illegal trade Oh, completely. I, I know you do, but yeah. how, do you, how do you, I mean, that what a, it's like ivory in right. a sense. Well, it is like ivory. It's very much like ivory. And, you know, ivory was used on guitars for a long time for binding uh, material, for the nuts, for the saddles. And we got out of ivory decades ago. And um, to Chris Martin's benefit, he actually got us out of mammoth ivory. So this is fossilized ivory. It from thousands of years ago, literally. Yeah. We don't even use that, so there's no confusion. But I mentioned you know, third-party uh, legality, so we're checking into the supply chain carefully with multiple site visits. Then we adhere very much so to uh, CITES, which is the Conference of International Trade in Endangered Species. I attend the different conferences, uh, as do others uh, within our organization. And we're in very close uh, contact with U.S. Fish and Wildlife, which is the management authority for the United States. Uh, so CITES is an international group of, com of countries. So almost every country in, in the world, with the exception of just a few holdouts, are members of CITES. And like Rosewood was, was listed with uh, CITES, and it was the first time actually that it was for finished goods. Typically, regulations are for when something is first brought into international commerce. So with wood, it would be when the tree is felled and then it's brought, it's shipped to the United States or Spain or wherever it is. But this applied to the actual finished goods. We worked with the CITES regulatory bodies, not just the United States, but all over the world, European Union, Japan, India, importantly. And they saw what we were talking about, that there was a huge administrative burden uh, with really no environmental impact. It, it didn't help save any trees because they were first permitted once and then they had to be permitted again when, we, when they were uh, turned, when the wood was turned into a guitar. It was a big log jam, a, a huge, huge hindrance to the musical instruments industry. Societies is an acronym. Right. Conference of International Trade in Endangered Species of Flora and Fauna. So when a person picks up a Martin guitar, mm -hmm. what might they not be thinking about? They're just 
assuming without thinking when and mm-hmm. put that together with CITES. Well, you know, you brought up the, the business of your pencil. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So not only is it made of lots of different materials, but all those materials come from someplace too. And I think that when people pick up a guitar, they're really not cognizant of all that went into it. And I think the same could be true of when you pick up a fork and knife at a restaurant or when you drive your car, it's a little bit more straightforward. But as manufacturers, you have to be aware of your inputs. And some companies are more aware than other companies. And I I think that these days, most companies are moving in the same direction. Their sustainability makes a lot of sense. It makes economic sense, too, because you typically are using less manufacture whatever it is that you're building, in our case, a guitar. With CITES and guitars, um, no one would imagine the amount of documentation that we have to have in order to uh, prove out the legality of the materials that we use. And that's uh, that's on us. And that's mm-hmm. something that we've been doing a lot better job recently than we have in the past, quite honestly. We're, we're trying to educate the consumers about exactly what we do. We're, I mean, here, here I am talking on the radio with yeah. you. We're trying to tell people about what sustainability means to us, how we can use less for the same kind of product. You know, I mentioned wood substitutes as well. There's a lot of education. There's a handful of companies in the industry, in the musical instruments industry, who are doing a pretty good job of it. And it's not just guitars. You know, there's clarinets. There's all sorts of sure, instruments. Sure, pianos. Right, I pianos. Used, I, mean, I, used to play, I used to play a, a clarinet, and I... After going through your facility, I thought to myself, well, that's made of wood in yeah. the reeds. Yeah, I know. They've done a, actually a real good job with reeds, um, which primarily come out of France and how they grow the, the material and stuff. It's, that's a, a whole story yeah. of, of itself. So the burden of proof for sustainability is really on you and your company. It's... It's actually on the people who cut the wood and bring it out, and then we have to have all the documentation to prove it out. And, you know, a company can only do so much, just like an individual. You know, you can recycle and hope that it goes into the right Right. areas and whatnot. A bigger company, you know, we're a medium-sized company. A, A large international company can do more. A state can do a lot more. Look at California. A nation can do more still. But an international coalition of nations can do much more. And you know, that's what, what CITES is, and that's what this uh, climate summit was about, which you know, it was kind of a shame that two of the largest countries weren't participants. And probably two of the countries that take a lot of the wood. Yeah, number one and four. Um, China is a huge importer of wood, and unfortunately that's where there's been a lot of a lot of the illegally harvested wood has gone to. China's gotten a lot better now. They're big participants in the convention. Uh, you know, they've got a big delegation, but there's a lot of room for them to improve as well. When I was touring your facility, I saw different colored tags on <laughs> different pieces of wood. Right. What do those mean? What's purple. a purple tag? Purple. Yeah, what, what purple the purple tags? Purple is that it's Forest Stewardship Council certified. And so you'll see purple tags all over the place on pallets of wood uh, indicating that it's FSC certified. And, you know, we go through uh, audits with FSC. We just completed one, and 
with flying colors. Cindy did a great job with that. She's uh, Cindy McAllister handles the FSC audits for Martin Guitar. Um, and invariably, we do very well with these because we we do we self audit. We are very careful where we're buying the wood. We're very careful to make sure that with once it's within the facility, we know what's being used where. So yeah. So colors. part of your job as a supply chain person, as with anybody's job with being in charge of supply chain, is you need to look at the future. <laughs> I mean, what do you see? Well, setting aside the current mess that supply chain is in with you know vessels and right. containers and trucks and all that stuff, long term, I see the need to migrate increasingly to other species of wood to do to do selective harvesting as we already are doing but you know it's got to be applied on a much bigger scale for us we're looking at you know rather than having one or two pieces for a guitar you might have to use four because the trees aren't aren't old growth any longer there's a lot of species that are very abundant like sepo which we use mm -hmm. uh, that are very similar to, in this case, mahogany, but won't be so won't create so much pressure on the species, you know. So there's a lot alternates, alternates to wood, just different wood species, and being very careful how you harvest and where you harvest from. So do you start looking for new places or new types of wood, or you know, projecting what could give you the same sonic? Constability. Yeah, it's part of our DNA. I mean, that's what our product development group does, uh, one of the things that they uh -huh. do. And we test out lots of different materials. We've recently gotten into using veneers on some of the instruments manufactured in Mexico. And typically we use solid wood, but you don't need to have as much of the wood, especially for exotics that have... Uh, you know, these beautiful physical characteristics that are just gorgeous to look at. You don't have to have a solid piece of wood, and you can still make a guitar that sounds wonderful using these fine veneers. How many different guitars, does, types of guitars, does Martin make? I mean, Too many. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many. Uh, but they're, they're in families. Uh, so, you know, we, the heart of what we do in Nazareth is called the Standard Series. And um, so within it, there's... A number of different models but it gets it's not just a, it's appointments and it's body style uh, are the two big differentiations but we build a lot of custom guitars too um, a real lot and uh, they can be anything you know the sky is the limit and uh, the great part of it is we do a pretty good job of it and repeatedly when customers have a dream of what it is you know that they want to get and four, six months later, it arrives at the music store and they open up the box and we invariably realize everything that they've been looking for. You know, one of the coolest things when I moved here was that I found out that Martin guitars were made here. Yeah. Because I've been in the radio business for, oh boy, 40 some years. Mm -hmm. And was lucky enough to meet a lot of, of musicians and a lot of them had that Martin guitar. And uh, when I came here, I went, really, that's where they're made? 
you see this brand all over the world. Now, 40% of your product goes overseas, right? Right. Yep. Nazareth is Mecca to many people. Yeah. I mean, it really is. They Before we had to close our doors because of COVID, I mean, tens of thousands of people would stream through the facility every year for tours just to, to just to be there, let alone, you know, endorsing artists and whatnot. Do you ever you, expect that to come back? Yeah. It's, it, You'll be able to give I, people tours? I hope to God it comes back. I mean, our plans are to reopen next year. You know, later this year, we're going to reopen our museum, which is an experience to in and of itself and our store and whatnot. But you're right, 40% of what we build is exported. And, you know, I, I give tours too. And, uh, Good ones. I was on one. Well, no, I mean through the factory. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, though. But one of the things that I point out is that Martin is kind of the prototypical example of what a good U.S. company should be. You know, we manufacture in the United States. We pay people a real fair wage with great benefits in a great work environment, a very safe place to work. And then we export 40% of what we build, too, which, you know, you want to do. It's just like, and and we support the community here in the Lehigh Valley, but also throughout the world. It's just we do things right, and it feels good. So away from guitars, what should people think about when they're buying a product? You're a sustainability guy. What should we be thinking about before we First, if you need buy it. Buy anything. If you need it. You know, there's all too often people have closets full of items that they purchased over the years, and then they get thrown out. You know, so right? <laughs> do you really need to buy whatever it is? That we are consumers, aren't we? We are big consumers. You know, and on an individual basis, again, an individual can only do so much, but many individuals together can do a lot, uh, especially under a broader framework. But it's everything you do. You know, think about where everything came from, and it you know it can get overwhelming. Kind of like um, the pencil. Yeah. Kind of like the pencil, or Anything you eat or driving to work, my coming here from Nazareth to Bethlehem today, you know, everything you do has an impact. So try and have as minimal of an impact as possible. Frank, how do we learn more about sustainability at Martin Guitar? Well, it's actually posted on our website. You can just go to the Martin Guitar website and you'll find it very easily. Just search Martin Guitar. Right, dot com. (laughs) We've been talking with Frank Untermeyer, the Director of Supply Chain Management with the Martin Guitar Company. This has been really interesting. Thank you for being on Every Main Street. Thank you. It's been an honor to be on the show. And thank you for listening. I'm Greg Caponia, and this is WDIY. Good evening. Up next on WDIY 88.1 FM, news headlines from NPR. Followed by our Monday night folk program, Folk Classics.